And I mean that. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is a good morning. It's a good morning full of good news. How many people woke up this morning and said, I want to go to church and hear some bad news? No? Nobody. How many people said, I want to go to church and hear some good news? Right. What about you guys? No? No? Neither way, huh? Okay. Play along. Come on, Mike. You're in the game. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak this morning. Um, wasn't part of my long-term plan, but I always love when, uh, when the chance comes along. Uh, as you guys are aware, Brian's uh, mom's funeral is tomorrow, so he's down there taking care of all the arrangements. And um, when he asked me, I guess I was talking to him Tuesday evening, and I said, I'll do it. And <clears throat> Wednesday morning, I, after iron hour, I was meeting with uh, a member here uh, who commented that it seems like we don't have enough of the basic story in church. We don't hear the part about Jesus and being saved and all the stuff that goes along with it. So I said, okay, I can do that. That makes it easier. So that's what we're going to hear for the next, uh, let's see, we got about an hour and a half, right? <laughs> you don't need to be at lunch till noon, right? So um, let's see if this is just going to work for me, Sally. Oh, there we go. All right, so if I'd uh, planned this better, I would have had the kids sing uh, Jesus Loves Me. Um, but I think most of you know that song. Uh, in the interest of time, as I developed this and kind of prepared, I ended up with like 50 slides, and it, I practiced it, and it took over an hour. So I've had to trim a lot of stuff out. So if I click through some of these slides, bear with me. But what I've also done is I've taken... A lot of verses that I uh, want us to read today, and I've put them on slides so that you don't have to fumble around in your books and, uh, um, you know, kind of be digging around. And what I would like you to do is just bear with me, and, and for the very first verse that we read, I would like you to get the Bibles out of the uh, rack under the seats in front of you. It's the black book. And turn to page 73 in the New Testament. There are two 70, page 73s in this uh, Bible. I'm not sure who thought that was a good idea. But it's the one uh, nearer the back. Page 73. I bet a couple of you in this room have read this verse before. It's John chapter 3. What verse do you think it'll be? 16. How'd you know that? Because you saw it on a sporting event, right? Somebody had it underneath their eyes. It was on a big sign. John 3, 16. So I would like you to read it out loud with me, please. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's the good news. So we're done. Jesus loves me. God loves you. Not just you, the big collective you. He loves each and every one of you. And he knows you. I don't have time to stand up and explain 
and present a lot of proofs as to why God exists. I would be very happy to meet with you any time to discuss that in more detail. We can go through scientific reasons, logical reasons. There are many, many proofs. And I am convinced there is a God. That God is very alive and loves us. I also believe very strongly that the Bible is his word, his message to us. And in fact, it claims in here that this is God breathed. He spoke to people that wrote it down. And God wants us to understand him. And he wants us to get our answers from this Bible. And again, I don't have time to go through the many hundreds of proofs that make this stand out as uniquely qualified to be the word of God. But that's what we're going to rest on today, and I'm going to quote. We're going to read a lot of the verses out of here. And we're going to start with the book of John, which is again in the New Testament. It's chapter 1, verse 1. And it starts at the beginning. And it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that's referring to Jesus Christ, the Word, God's Word. And it goes on to say, I'm going to skip down to the third one. John 1, 14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He became one of us. So God comes from wherever he was. He becomes one of us. He wanted to come and talk to us. He wanted to come and build relationship with us. What better way to do that? To all who received him and to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, the sermon may not be very good today, but the music was awesome. Am I right? Children. Aren't kids great? God thinks we're great. He wants us to be his kids. He's the creator of everything, and therefore, we... Have a relationship. Now, some of that is like my, you know, between me and my kids, a lot of that's really good. Sometimes when they stay out too late, it's not so good, right? So, we're going to talk today a lot about your relationship, my relationship with God, and what does that really mean? When Jesus was here, he did a lot of miracles that validated that he was who he said he was. He healed thousands of people, some of them with leprosy or some of them that had been blind since birth or they couldn't walk since they were born. And he, in an instant, cleared that up. He even raised people that were already dead and been dead for a few days and brought them back to life. And ultimately, when he died... He came back to life on his own after three days, and he's still alive. He went back up to heaven and never died. So Jesus is alive, and he loves each and every one of you, and that's good news. And we should be happy about that. It's obvious in everything you see in your life, whether it's watching uh, the 6 o'clock news or hearing of a friend of yours who's gone going through a heartbreaking divorce there's just so much 
bad in the world. There's a lot of good in the world. And there has always been this battle, this war of good and evil. And that's at the core of the story of Jesus and why he would come down here, why he would go through all of the hassle of becoming like us and put up with all of the torture that he, he went through. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil. So it's not always something we see. The battle is for your heart. The battle is for your mind. And that's where the leader of the forces of evil, Satan... He's going to mess with your mind, and he's not going to be real direct about it. He's going to be real subtle, and he's going to tell you, it's okay. Oh, nobody will know. And that battle rages on, and sometimes we don't even see it. It's not obvious to us. We're caught up in our day-to-day, or even worse, we're caught up in our own selfishness or our own egocentricities. Well, it's not all about us. And the Bible says it's about God and it's about our relationship with him. And he loves us and he wants us to love him. Jesus, when he came here, he brought victory. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 21, 26, we read about it being That victory over death, the resurrection of the dead, meaning what happens after we die, that resurrection comes through a man, Jesus Christ. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Jesus overcame death on our behalf. That's the victory. We should be happy about that. That's good news. And he did it because he loves us. And in, um, oh, I must slide ahead of myself. Good and evil, that war, that battle that goes on, and we talk about the resurrection of the dead. We talk about our being, our soul that lives on after our body gives up. The Bible mentions in many places heaven and hell. And we kind of have one, we're going to end up one or the other. And that's kind of scary And some of it's not really clear in the Bible. There's a lot of symbolism, a lot of uh, golden streets, and a lot of fire and brimstone. But I can tell you this. Heaven is good, and hell not so much. Heaven's where God is and will be. Hell is definitely where he's not going to be, and we would be separated from him. The Bible talks about torment and fire. Well, that just doesn't sound so cool to me. But heaven says we'll be there and reign with him forever and ever. That's good news. And I like hearing that. And that gives me hope. And I hope it gives you hope. And when you embrace that, it should give you a joy that is beyond anything the people around you could understand. They may even think you're crazy. But that's the good news. 
So Matthew 16, 26, it says, What good will it be for a person if he gains a whole world and yet loses his soul? You could be Bill Gates and have all the money you could ever imagine. You could be the king of the whole planet. But if you are going to die and spend eternity separated from God, I don't think it's worth it. I mean, you could be lucky enough to live up to be 130 years old. But it's still not something I would trade for, would you? Luke 19.10 said, For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. This was part of God's plan from the very beginning. He created the universe. He created the earth. He created us. And he knew that we were going to disobey him. He knew we were going to turn our back on him. And he made a plan. He said, I'll go down there and I'll get it right. And he came down here. And he said, if you had a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, who wouldn't leave the 99 and go find that one? And he came to find each and every one of us. Because in that great war of good and evil, we get caught up in the evil and we're lost. God loves us and he came after us in the same way that Jesus said we, a shepherd would go after that sheep. That's good news. That should bring hope to you. He loves you. He came after you. He pursued you before you pursued him. Jesus wants us to be with him forever. And we are going to die. It's inevitable. Our bodies, but the rest of us, the core of what we are, our soul will live on. And that's what we want to, to spend eternity with God because he loves us and because we love him. So we read the verse about John three sixteen and about his love for us. Romans 5.8 says that he shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, before we got it right, Christ died for us. And he had to die for us because we couldn't do what we needed to do to get right with God on our own. We're too weak. We are too tainted by that evil. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Each and every one of us. And I'm not trying to shame you in any way. I'm not trying to say that I'm any better than you because I am not. We have all lost that battle somewhere, sometime between good and evil. We've made the wrong choice. We haven't done what we should have done. We knew the difference between right and wrong, and we chose the wrong one anyway. Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Saved. Saved from ourselves. Saved from evil. Saved from that ultimate eternal destination that we don't want. 
Because God loves us, this savedness or salvation, it's a gift. And it comes along with a concept called grace, that it's something that we didn't truly deserve or earn. We can't be good enough to be in God's presence. You know, he, he, he is all good, so it would stand to reason that he can't be around evil. You know, kind of like if we, we're air-breathing beings, so if we were at the bottom of the lake... We couldn't survive that. It wouldn't work because of who we are, because of the way we're made. We can't take water in and run it through our gills and, or, you know, whatever and survive that. God can't serve. He doesn't want to be around evil. That's not his nature. So we have to get cleaned up and get right if we want to be in his presence. And he said, you can't do that on your own. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. So the good news is that his love pulls us towards him and says, it's okay. You don't have to be good enough. I took care of it. And all he's asking is that we put our faith in Jesus Christ and that we can get right or be justified. Romans 5, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, through our belief in Jesus, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace. It's so easy. And we sometimes in our minds just try to make it hard. We've got to believe Jesus is who he said he was. We've got to accept that. We have to trust in his love for us so that we can get right and take our place where God wants us to be. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can brag about it. You can't be good enough. can't brag about it. You're not going to climb that ladder on your own. It's not like, if I just jump high enough, then God will be able to reach down and pull me the rest of the way. God can reach all the way down to the bottom. And if that's where you find yourself, then there's a lot of hope for you this morning. No matter where we are, there should be a lot of joy, a lot of peace that comes along with. All we have to do is accept it. Trust in it. Trust in that love. Romans 8 says nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. That's good news. That makes me feel good. I hope it makes you feel good. Philippians 2, 8 says, Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus allowed himself in a human body, feeling real pain, feeling the real temptation of not wanting to go through that pain, And asking his father, can you take this away? Do I really have to do this? And he said, you know, whatever you want me to do, your will, not mine. And that's the same way we should approach it. That's the same attitude that I encourage you to have is not my will, not what I want, but what 
God wants because he loves us. And his love is so compelling. John 5.12 says, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. He does love us, and he wants us to love each other. And he, at one time in his uh, ministry, he was asked, What's the greatest commandment? And he said, to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And he said, the second is like the first. It's love other people like you love yourself. It's pretty easy for us to love ourselves and look out for our own best interest. What he's asking us is to look out for our brothers and sisters' best interest. And we do that because we're compelled by his love for us. He started it. He did it first. And out of love and gratitude, we should spread that around. So we've got four minutes left, so I've got to kind of uh, wrap this up. There are a lot of things in the Bible that talk about the things you should do. And I'm not going to focus a whole lot on that. Jesus surprised people in his day, especially the religious leaders, the ones that we hear read about, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he surprised them because they were all about washing your hands the right way and doing this ceremony and all the kind of stuff that they had come up with over the years that things had to be just right. And Jesus said... It's about your heart. It's who you are inside that decides what you do, what comes out. So he shocked people because he was always talking about the heart of people. And that's where love comes from. That's where trust comes from, belief and that's what I would encourage you to focus on. Focus on Jesus means to focus on love and hope and peace and joy. And if you find yourself worrying or you're afraid or you're angry or you feel that hatred of something or somebody coming on, you've got to ask, where is that coming from? Well, in the war of good and evil, I can tell you it's not coming from God. So, the Bible talks about repenting, turning around, going the other direction. But one of the greatest things that the Bible talks about is God's Spirit. And Jesus promised when he left, he was going to send somebody to replace him. Another manifestation of God, the Holy Spirit. He called it the comforter or the counselor. There's a lot of different terms. But the point is, God didn't leave us alone. He lives in us when we get right with him, when we accept the gift of Jesus Christ, when we know that he is our Lord and Savior, we invite him in, we surrender our will, and that makes room for him to be 
with us and to take his place and be very close to us. And even in in the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous uh, part of teaching of Jesus, the very first thing he said was, blessed are the poor in spirit. He said, blessed are the spiritual beggars. Those of us that just beg God to come fill us up with his spirit. We want to be different. So I encourage you today, beg God to come fill you up with who he is. You want that joy and that peace and that love and that kindness and the goodness and the self-control that comes as a fruit of having the Holy Spirit. I don't think I've been very subtle this morning. I'm just trying to put it out there the way I see it and the way that I've learned it. And I want you to understand that God loves you and wants you to have a relationship with him. And I bet most of you in this room are in that place. I would say probably not everybody. And so this message is for you. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk to God in a minute. Because you can't build a relationship with anybody if you don't talk to him. And the thing about God is that he is everywhere. And he's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He can hear your thoughts. He knows who you are. He knows the good and the bad about you. And you know what? Jesus doesn't come to you and say, you no good, dirty, lousy sinner. He says, go and sin no more. That's the message of good news. He loves you so much that he's willing to forgive and forget. And all he asks is that you put your trust in him. It's pretty easy. So... He can hear our thoughts. What I'm going to do is I'm going to close my eyes and bow my head. And I do that so I can really focus on him. But he can hear you. He can hear your thoughts. I'm going to say some words out loud to guide you in your thoughts. You may say whatever you want. It's between you and God. It has nothing to do with me. I'm just trying to help. If there's anything I've said today that you don't understand or that you don't agree with, I want you to come talk to me. I'll be standing right down here after it's over. We can go have coffee or lunch sometime this week and we can dig in a little deeper. But I don't want you to leave this morning without hearing the good news that Jesus Christ loves you, came and died for you, and you can get right with God and have God live in you. That's compelling. So if you wish to express that trust and love today, then I I would ask you to do so as we pray together. Father, we, we know that you loved us before we were even aware of you. And we, we praise you and we say thanks. We want to be your child. We want you to be our daddy.
We want to feel your love. We want to live your love. We want to show the world your peace. Show the world the joy that comes from just trusting you and knowing that we'll be with you forever and that we don't have to fear death and that Jesus brings the victory. We ask forgiveness of those things that we do that you don't like. We ask that you give us strength to repent and turn around and act differently. We want a do-over. And we know that you've got the ability to pull it off. And while we don't have the strength to do it on our own, we just trust that you'll take care of it. We surrender our will to you. We want to be the people you want us to be. And we ask that you walk with us, that you dwell inside of us, and that you help us to realize that your love flows through us and that we can be the light to this world because they're losing the war. We pray all of this. By the authority and in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.